your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. All right, pencils down. The lists have been submitted. The lists have been revealed. Uh, we're going to go over uh, some of the surprises that were left unprotected uh, tomorrow. But today, we're going to talk about some breaking news that we had. And that is the trade acquisition of Jared McCann from the Pittsburgh Penguins. In return, the Maple Leafs gave up Philip Hollander in a 2023 7th round pick. So basically, Philip Hollander, the player that they got from the Pittsburgh Penguins a year ago in the Kasperi Kapanen deal, going back to Pittsburgh. And Jared McCann, who's got one year left on his deal at $2.94 million, comes back the other way. He is an, uh, a restricted free agent after this, so still has... Um, you know, he'll still, the lease will still own his rights, uh, next season when that contract is done. And look, I'm, I'm a big fan of this trade. I think this is a home run trade, um, on surface level. We'll, we'll chat a little bit later about, uh, you know, what the downside of this trade could be. And pretty much the downside is, well, if you aren't aware of what the protection list looks like, yeah, they traded for Jeremy McCann, but they didn't protect him. No. They opted to still go with the 4-4-1, the 8-skaters route, which I thought they were going to do right from the get-go. But I thought maybe bringing in McCann changed things a little bit, uh, but it did not. Uh, They still elected to go 4-4-1, and I guess they're going to be okay with losing one of uh, McCann or Kerfoot. Uh, Dermott, I guess, still is is also a a potential player to get claimed by Seattle. But, um, yeah, don't fret if... If McCann does go, I'll say that right now because uh, basically what all that means is that Philip Hollander was really the pick, right? Because that's all you're giving up, which means you're keeping Kerfoot and you're keeping Dermot. Philip Hollander is the only player that would be gone. So don't think of it as losing three prospects or paying up extra to 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 keep Kerfoot and Dermot. It's just Philip Hollander, who's a B-level prospect. They've got a few of those, right? So don't be too upset if it is McCann who does end up getting claimed off of the expansion draft. Uh, that being said, I'm going to spend pretty much the entire podcast talking about Jared McCann and praying that he, he still is going to be a Maple Leaf after this week so that everything that I say doesn't go out the window and basically everyone from you know Seattle can listen to this. I want this to be uh, applicable to the Maple Leafs uh, for more than a couple of days. But we're going to have uh, Hunter Hody from Locked on Penguins on to chat a little bit about Jared McCann um, and talk a bit about his breakout season that he just had in Pittsburgh um, and give us a little scouting report and uh, maybe figure out like why this is his fourth team in six years in the NHL. A little bit of a question mark, but he is a guy from the Sioux, 
and uh, which means, you know, character-wise, I think Dubis and Sheldon Keefe believe in this kid and, and, and think that there is, you know, he's a good person, that there is character. I'm not saying four teams in six years automatically means there's character issues, but those conversations and questions always, you know, come up when that is the case. So, you know, Hunter's going to chat about uh, that with us, talk about, again, um, just, you know, how his season went this year and give us a little bit of a, a an overview of the type of player that we're getting in Jared McCann. And we'll do that right now. Joining me today to discuss this deal is Hunter Hodes, our man from Locked on Penguins. Hunter, how you doing today? Not bad, man. You know, we're covered a little bit after the McCann trade. The rest of the list I don't think was too terrible, but um, been, been a great day. I love seeing uh, – all these lists come out because it's fun to see who is doing their job right and who is not doing their job right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I had so much fun this weekend just kind of keeping up to date with exactly what was going on. And then when mm-hmm. I saw this trade kind of come down around that 3 p.m. deadline, it wasn't something that I was necessarily anticipating. There were some scribes saying like, oh, it'd be cool if the Leafs could get Jared McCann, but it wasn't really something I was anticipating. And then when it actually kind of came across the Twitter timeline that that was indeed what it was, um, I was pretty excited. So I figured, you know what, I reached out to you kind of right away and I was like, hey, let's chat about this guy. And you could tell Leafs Nation all about the player that they're getting in Jared McCann. Before we get to that quickly, um, what were your initial thoughts on the deal? I mean, I honestly didn't expect it coming. Um, I thought that he would either be on the team next year or he would be going to Seattle. I didn't think that they would uh, deal him to protect someone such as Teddy Bluger. You know, I still, we're obviously going to get into the deal a little bit. I I think that's a mistake. Um, I was just a bit stunned by it. You You can, especially when it came out, I'm like, okay, hopefully he fetched a decent return because this is a really good player. Probably one of the more underrated players on the team. I think a lot of fans, as well in the Penguins fan base, definitely undervalue and underrate him. And then when I saw that return, I was like, okay, that's definitely a bit underwhelming. Um, I just don't think it made sense for uh, from, from a lot of point of views, I think. Well, Philip Hollander is a guy who Pittsburgh fans know pretty well yeah. and that you know pretty well, right? Came back in the Kasperi Capitan return. So just spends one uh, one really weird shortened season uh, with the Maple Leafs and then right back into Pittsburgh's prospect pool. So it's almost like he never even left. And then uh, y'all also picked up a 2023 seventh round pick in return as well. Um, so for those who, you know – haven't seen much Pittsburgh or, you know, when he was in Florida and Vancouver, give us a quick scattering report on Jared McCann. Yeah. So McCann, he's, he's crafty. I think in a lot of ways, um, he has probably, I was saying on this on my show, I think he has arguably the best shot on the team or he did um, was great on the power play. You can put him on any one of your power play units. When Evgeny Malkin got hurt, um, he, sparked up that top power play unit like it hadn't been during the season. And they pushed up into the top five, top 10 league wide when the power play was just really bad. I mean, he elevated also up to the second line, um, played really well up there as well, especially with Jeff Carter and then Jason Zilker also played well, I thought, with Kasperi Kapanen. I mean, this was just a complete 180 from what you saw the year before. You know, I know a lot of people were pointing to, well, he hasn't, produced as much in the playoffs I mean I also I honestly will argue that producing in the playoffs is hard to begin with just because the games are more tight the goalies play 
um, a lot better. And it's just, it's harder to score, I think, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. But he really does have a great shot. He has a great feel for the ice. He was great uh, with zone entries this year. Um, a really good playmaker, I thought, as well. And honestly, you know, if, if you look at, you know, more of the underlying numbers, you go to Jay Fresh's stuff. Um, his even strength defense ranked in the, I think, above the 90th percentile. Um, he, if, you want, if you want him to play a shutdown role, um, he, he can do that just fine. He's, he was one of the better defensive players, I thought on the team. He, he honestly can do it all. And it's kind of bizarre to me that this will be, I think his fourth team in the last six years. I really don't understand it. Um, but I, and I also don't understand how he wasn't, how he was not, excuse me, a slam dunk uh, protection pick by the Penguins after what he did this past year. I think the process um, in, eva- in evaluating Teddy Bluger over him um, is just a huge mistake. Yeah. Well, you'll take a look at like his advanced numbers and they're all pretty, pretty fantastic. Like he's a, he's oh, yeah. a, a numbers darling for those. And, you know, here in Toronto with Kyle Dubas and, you know, he's, he's a big numbers guy, right? So Jared McCann, I think fits that. Jared McCann also uh, was a Sioux Greyhound and he played for Sheldon Keefe, our head coach and was drafted by Kyle Dubas, our GM. So Jared McCann, I think when, when you look at the four teams that he's played for in the last six years, that's something that a lot of Leaf fans are also looking at and they're saying to themselves, ah, four team in six years, that usually means like that, that he's, you know, got a bad attitude or he's a bad locker room guy. I think if there was any concerns here with McCann, I, I think Dubas and Sheldon Keefe would know about it because they've known this kid since he was 16 years old, right? And, and I think yeah. that they know – the player and the character of him and what it bring him into a situation. But is there anything that maybe you had heard, um, you know, while he was in Pittsburgh that maybe there was a, a rift in the locker room, a reason why he was somebody who was on his way out of Pittsburgh over a guy like Teddy Bluger? Or do you think it's just more so the fact that they wanted to keep Bluger and felt like they could get a return from McCann as opposed to letting him go for free? Yeah, I think it was the latter. You know, I, I never heard anything about him being bad in the room. You know, everything I've read, um, everyone said that they loved him in the room. I think it was just they preferred to keep Bluger. I think part of it also was that they see they saw, excuse me, McCann uh, more as a winger than a center. I mean, he could play both positions. I think it, it doesn't matter where you play him. I think he's great at both. Um, again, you know, the biggest mystery with this offseason is, um, when is Evgeny Malkin coming back next season? He had that really big knee surgery right after the Penguins were eliminated. I think that was one of the biggest reasons why they protected all four centers. But even with that, I think they could have gotten away with just protecting Carter and then the big two, and then still protecting McCann, who is can play center, and then exposing your entire fourth line. Because I'm of the opinion that um, even if Seattle would take someone on the fourth line, you can just replace them in a trade or free agency. That's the easiest line uh, to replace that type of player. So I think it was just, like you said, it was the latter. I think they just preferred to keep Luger over him. Again, questionable decision, but that's what they're going to run with. I was fine with the rest of the list, um, but it was definitely a bit odd to see um, them not have him as a sure protection, even though, you know, a lot of fans, myself included, um, saw him as a must protect going into this. Yeah. You talked about how he's got a pretty strong two-way game and, and, you know, that's encouraging because the the thought process is that this is going to be the Alex Kerfoot replacement as kind of our third line center um, type of role that also has versatility to play up and down the lineup. So my question is if, and, and, this is more so because I've thought about potentially if this isn't a Kerfoot replacement, perhaps it could end up being a Zach 
uh, a Zach Hyman replacement. And if that's the case, what's McCann like when he's playing on a top line, like when he plays on Crosby's wing or he played on Malkin's wing? Did he fit in or did he look a little bit out of place um, with kind of that like puck retrieval playmaking type of role? Yeah, so he fit a lot better with Evgeny Malkin. You know, he was playing a lot there um, when Gino was trying to get his um, his game going just because he, he struggled out of the gate. Um, one of the best games I could remember that he played um, against the Islanders on Long Island. They're down 2-1 going into the third. Um, ties the game just a couple minutes in from um, an awesome pass from Gino, and then he uses that uh, distinct shot that he has to rifle it past their goaltender. Again, you know, I think it's one of the top two top three, arguably the best shot on the team. So he can elevate his game that he plays with the star players. You know, you can put him on the wing. If you want to put him with Tavares, you want to put him with Matthews. I think he would fit in just fine. I also think you can put him on the third line and he can work just fine there as well. There's no, um, I guess, fixed place for him in the lineup. You know, with Pittsburgh, he kind of bounced all over. You know, this season, even after – um, Gino really got going. They moved him down, especially when they got Jeff Carter. And then um, with him on that line, it was just a force to be reckoned with. They were such a great fit together. And if he can find someone like that in Toronto on the third line, whoever they put down there, um, I think that could be um, a mismatch galore for a lot of other teams um, around the league. But hopefully um, they don't lose him in expansion draft since I saw they um, are not protecting him. They're, I think they're definitely going to lose – one of Kerford and McCann. I'm just curious to see which one Seattle would go for. Or, of course, you know, they could go for someone else. Yeah, I, I think the, the thought process is that there was there could be a side deal in place. Of course, we're, mm-hmm. we're not privy to that knowledge, but um, there could be a side deal in place where Kerfoot's going to be the guy that they get, and McCann is they just already lined up his replacement, and they were able to do that already. Um, there's also a thought that potentially Travis Dermott could be the pick, um, and then McCann could end up either being the third-line center or, like you said, he could move up, and he could potentially be that Zach Hyman replacement up in the top six. We have to- two top six left wing spots that are available, something that maybe McCann could do. But in order to do that, though, like to play a Zach Hyman type role, he's, he's he has to be, you know, really good speed, but also there needs to be a puck retrieval uh, element to his game. Is that there for a guy like McCann? You know, six foot one, buck mm. 90, decent size. So could he go into the corners and dig for pucks to play alongside somebody like Matthews and Marner and go and get the puck for him? Yeah, he was doing a good job with that, I thought, especially um, while he was on the line with Carter. You know, Carter would go down low, but I also thought you know, Carter was a better finisher than McCann, especially after he came over, had 13 goals. You know, McCann, I think, would do the dirty work on that line. Um, so, yeah, he can definitely um, do that. He has a tenacity to always, you know, go to the corners, go to the front of the net, and make things happen. Again, he just he, – he's he does it all. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And, and again, it just also baffles my mind. Uh, I know I'm repeating myself that this is his fourth, fifth team um, in basically six years. Could be his fifth team um, if he's yeah. picked by Seattle. So, yeah, he, he'll be more than ready to go to the corners. You can stick him on the penalty kill. I thought he was one of their – uh, better penalty killers when he did get out there. You can put him on your top power play. Well, in Toronto, I don't think he'll be on the top power play just like how he wasn't in Pittsburgh. Wow. 
I mean, this power play struggled mightily down the stretch the last two months of the season operating at 10% and it was a massive like detriment to this team. So if you're saying McCann's shot is as good as, as it is, that might actually work out and they can try and balance out these power plays as opposed to loading up on the one coming up empty and then just having a 10% power play. So that may even be, kind of something to factor in here when you're looking at McCann's value that he's adding to the Maple Leafs. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, he helped that power play in Pittsburgh that was struggling as well, really quick click because, you know, Latang would have that at a point, he would dish it to McCann. And for a while there, there was a pretty big argument to not have McCann come off a top power play, even when Malkin came back. I mean, uh, imagine if you just listening to that argument and not putting Evgeny Malkin back on the top power play because Jared McCann was doing an even better job than he was. And it was, that's exactly what was happening. So um, he was that good on that unit and he would come down with the puck after getting it from Latang. You know, usually the left side boards wrist it or snap it right past one of the goalies. And the shot is just so deceptive that a lot of these goalies just had no idea where it was going. And he, it was just, he was scoring at will on it. You know, he'd be going to the high danger areas as well, getting his pucks, getting a stick on the puck, excuse me. Uh, one of my favorite goals of his during the season actually came, I think when this was the game that I considered the, when Pittsburgh turned their season around. Um, 2-2, middle of the third period against the Flyers. Um, takes a pass. Actually, no, he's a shot, I think, from Zucker. Crashes the net, bangs home the rebound, 3-2. The Penguins end up winning that game. And then from then on, um, I think they went on a huge run where they ran, they won, I think, nine of their next 11, 10 of their next 12 games. Um, it all started, you know, just because of McCann going to the front of the net and, and doing so many good things. So um, I can't speak high enough about him. I'm still a little upset that he's not a Penguin, but I'm really excited to see um, what he does in Toronto next year if he's not picked in the expansion draft. I am too, and I, I hope that he's not picked in the expansion draft. Um, I, I, I'll be talking about that over the next couple of days, what I think is going to happen, what I think this trade actually meant. Um, and I, the one thing that I think may uh, worry some people, and you brought it up earlier, is the fact that there is no playoff production, 12 playoff games, um, I think just three assists but zero goals. We have our fair share of playoff struggles here in Toronto, which I'm sure it's well documented around the league. Um, And, and, you know, guys not scoring in the playoffs has been a real big issue. When it comes to McCann, is it more of the fact that he's disappearing because he's just – his game, he's losing his game? Is he someone who maybe, you know, he disappears in the playoffs? Does he need to be given – ice to flourish and then when that ice is kind of taken away in the playoffs and this and the ice shrinks and it becomes so much tighter he struggles to find that ice for himself and struggles to get those shots off like what's the reasoning is there a reasoning I guess for the reason why there's a lack of production in the playoffs or is it just you know bad puck luck yeah I think a lot of it does have to do with some puck luck I thought he played well against the Islanders, the puck just the, the puck did just not go in the net for him. I mean, Ilya Sorokin was 940-950 that entire series when he was in the lineup. Um, the year before that, I think I'll actually chalk that up to McCann actually struggling. I mean, his shooting percentage for the playoffs and that regular season, I think, was around 5%. Or it was, I think, a lot even lower than that. He just um, – the, the puck did not go in the net for him at all 
during that season. And then for this season, you know, finally turns it around in the playoffs. I understand a lot of people were upset. And, you know, I did see that argument used a lot um, when the Penguins made that trade. You know, some of the fan, people in the fan base were talking about how he didn't produce in the playoffs. And it's like, well, you're using that against him, but yet you want to protect two players in blue Grun Tanev who did not really do that much in the playoffs anyway. So <laughs> you're, you're kind of like being a bit of a hypocrite here. I think the biggest thing, you know, my opinion is it's very hard to consistently score in the playoffs. Yes, you want a player like that to pick up the slack when someone like Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin is struggling to, you know, with their ice time to get their chances and bury them in the back of the net. But I think just in a good role, he can be on a team for a long time. Uh, He will get his playoff production. I really believe that. It's just this year I think it was – more unlucky than anything just because Ilya Sorokin was really good and the goaltender for the Penguins with Tristan Jari was not. I mean, even it was honestly, it wasn't even just McCann, I don't think. It was the Crosby line. They were getting chances every game. Sorokin was saying no. You know, I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, maybe um, a lack of playoff experience with McCann. I mean, he's made the playoffs, I mean, what, three years in a row now with Pittsburgh before being traded. So, um, I think it's just mainly that there was a lot of bad puck luck, um, and hopefully that changes uh, going into next season. Well, for the for the sake of of the Maple Leafs, who desperately need some playoff performers after year after year uh, coming up coming up empty in the playoffs, we we haven't won a playoff round since two thousand and four. Hunter, it's been two thousand and four since we've won a round. It's it's. <laughs> It needs to happen, and hopefully Jeremy yes. can give this team some depth and, uh, and and get us there. Get Bring us to the second round, something that Maple Leaf fans have been waiting for for over 15 years, man. It's It's been a long time. But, uh, Hunter, I really appreciate you hopping on and, and chatting about McCann. Um, hopefully the deal works out just as fine for you guys, and Philip Hollander turns out to be a decent little player for you guys and, and a guy who you're happy to get back into your prospect pool yeah i'm excited to see you know if if he potentially can make the team this year i doubt it but i think in the next year or two he may he may make a push uh to be on the team that's for sure if you guys want to hear more about hunter actually before i let you go do you have a guess for who seattle takes from you guys because I was trying to go through my expansion. I'll be doing tomorrow's episode. I'll be doing my final mock. And there's two options that I think they could go. Either Jason Zucker, who was left unprotected, as well as Marcus Pedersen, who actually surprised me. Is one of those two guys somebody you think that uh, Seattle may be leaning towards one of them? Um, you know, those are two very good options. Uh, not the two that I have. I think they're going to take Zach Aston Reese. Oh. Um, he's a lot better than I think some people give him credit for. He's not not just, I think, the best defensive forward on the team. I think he's one of the best defensive forwards in the league. I think uh, Ron Francis said they do want cap flexibility. He's cheap. Yeah, he's, look, he's an RFA, but he's going to come cheap. He's not going to sign for more than a couple million at the most per season. Um, he is um, the engine that makes that fourth line of um, Bluger and Tanev go. And um, I think it's if, if he is taken, it's going to cause – a little bit of a hole on the scene, especially because the fourth line won't be as good defensively. But um, I think they still should be able to find someone in free agency that can do um, hopefully at least half of what he does. I don't think he gets enough credit um, for what he does on, on a da- daily basis for this team. 
So I think it is going to be Ashton Reese. I think they're going to go cheap. Um, if not, I think it's probably Zucker. They can maybe make him their captain. Also, that sheds $5.5 million off the Penguin salary. They've, we've talked a lot about them going out and getting a goalie. That's one of their biggest things. Um, it, I think what I – I don't know. I'm like stuttering here for whatever reason. I don't know. It's probably because it's so late at night, but you know, none of this matters with the Penguins if they don't go out and get a goalie. So the best case scenario is Seattle takes someone with a higher cap hit. But that said, I think it is going to be Aston Reese. All right. Well, we will figure it out on Wednesday, who exactly mm-hmm. gets taken from the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you guys want to hear more from Hunter, go check out his podcast at uh, Locked on Penguins. And uh, Hunter, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I really hope Jared McCann uh, kills it next season if he's on the Leafs. <laughs> me and many other Maple Leafs fans hope so as well. On the other side, I dig into the numbers on Jared McCann and let you know a little bit more about what to expect in this guy. Cause like I said, he is a numbers darling. We'll get to that on the other side here in the locked on Leafs podcast. Welcome back to the locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DeStefano, the host of this program here with you. And uh, like I said, we're going to continue here diving into the numbers and the analytics a little bit about Jared McCann, the newest Maple Leaf. Now, like we somewhat discussed earlier in the pod, and and Hunter brought it up as well, there's not a guarantee that we know of, at least. There could be a side deal happening here, but there's no guarantee that we know of that Jeremy Can technically will be part of this roster next season. It's very possible that uh, he could still get selected by Seattle because they didn't protect him. They traded for him, and they didn't protect him. And I know that a lot of people are upset because they gave up uh, a prospect and a pick, and now they're like, oh, now now you're getting rid of you know three assets instead of just one. This is what teams did last uh, last time, and you know now the, the the Leafs are getting suckered into it again. This is totally different. This is not the same thing. Even if they lose Jared McCann, keep in mind that just meant that they lost Philip Hollander in this draft and a 2023 seventh rounder. I think we could all be uh, no one's going to be upset about that. So even if you lose Jeremy McCann, you gave up Philip Hollander to get him, which means all you're losing is Hollander, and you get to keep Kerfoot and Dermott, two players who can be part of this team going forward. And basically what that means is you didn't give up anybody from this roster. So even if McCann does get selected, which I wouldn't, I would, I, I don't want that to happen. I'm about to explain, you know, some of the the underlying numbers that he possesses and why I think he's going to be a good player for the Maple Leafs. But if he does ultimately get picked up because he was left exposed, this is not like the end of the world, right? You didn't lose the Maple Leafs didn't lose three assets by doing this. You you can't consider Jeremy Cannon an asset unless well you just you just can't, right? Like Jeremy Cannon wouldn't be here if he didn't trade out Hollander, and if you didn't make that trade to make Jeremy Cannon available, then one of Kerfoot or Dermott would have been gone. So either way, you're only losing one guy, and if it ends up being Jeremy McCann, ultimately that means that it's Philip Hollander. And Philip Hollander is a better loss to the team than Kerfoot or Dermott. So don't be upset if McCann does get claimed, right? Like if, if you're upset saying, oh, I can't believe they made that deal. Why did they trade for him just to expose him, and then he gets picked up? Now we lost three pieces. You didn't lose three pieces. You didn't lose three pieces. Just remember that. Remember that. 
All right, let's get into uh, dig into these numbers here of Jared McCann with the assumption that hopefully he is back with the Maple Leafs next season. Obviously, um, they they like him, they want to bring him in, and they know him really well. Right, this is a player who was a former Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound in the OHL, drafted by Kyle Dubas. Uh, the head coach at the time was Sheldon Keith, so he comes from the Sioux factory that Toronto likes to go back to. Uh, they like to go back to that well over and over and over again, and they're bringing in another guy who they know um, in Jared McCann. The good thing is, is that he's actually a good player <laughs> as well, right? So, you know, he's he's a versatile guy, and like Hunter was saying, he can play center, he can play the wing, he can play either or, really anywhere up and down your top line, either down the middle or on the left wing. So, realistically, he could either be a Kerfoot replacement, if Kerfoot ends up getting snagged in the expansion draft, or ultimately, if they go Dermot and then Kerfoot and McCann are both still on this roster, McCann could even be the Zach Hyman replacement. And at $2.9 million, which is what his cap hit is at, that's not awful, right? Like, if we could get Zach Hyman for under $3 million, we'd be stoked. Now, I'm not saying McCann is Hyman, but it seems like McCann's got more finish, and he's got some nice two-way, you know, two-way ability to his game, and has played with big play, big-time players like Malkin and Crosby in the past, and has succeeded, and done well on the power play which is something that the Leafs desperately, desperately need. And, uh, yeah, shooting percentage on the power play this season scored 7 of 21 shots, so 33% shooting percentage on the power play. So really, really good uh, power play guy, PP guy. So that's one thing. Um, digging into the the analytics here as, as this 5-on-5 five five numbers. Actually, before we do, let's just... Get to the the easy stats. 14 goals, 18 assists, 32 points in 43 games. So that's what he did. Uh, that's what he did for us. Lat, or that's what he did with the Penguins last year. And with those numbers, he ranked 33rd in the NHL among players with as much or more a time on ice, total time on ice, as McCann with 2.41 points per 60. So 2.41 points per 60 ranked him 33rd in the NHL. Um, some players in that realm, Mark Shifley, Nikolai Ehlers, Sean Couturier, Gabriel Landeskog, all in that same range on a permanent basis. William Nylander was 42nd, so 10 spots back at a 2.31 points per 60. So McCann was more productive in his ice time than William Nylander was last year. Granted, McCann had less competition. Didn't have awful competition. Still played against some pretty good talents. But he only played 14 minutes a game. So if he's racking up a bunch of points, you know, in just 14 minutes per game, that's going to kind of inflate your per 60 numbers. But what that just means is that you are productive in the short amount of time that you're out there. Very similar how we speak about Jason Spezza. Same thing. He was extremely productive for the 11 to 12 minutes a game that he played for the Maple Leafs. So um, that's really good. Extremely productive. Love to see it. Uh, 53% Corsi 4 percentage, which is actually best on the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, you know, when you're diving into your your, your Corsi here, you know, he's got a, a positive shot share, which positive possession metrics, which is something that obviously the Maple Leafs do 
like to play the possession game, and they believe in highly in possession numbers, and that's really good to see. And it's not even like, you know, it's um, he's sheltered either for this. He has only has 51% of his starts are ozone starts. Like, he, 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 you know, they start him in all three zones in Pittsburgh. They they trust and believe that he can get it done on in, in the defensive side of the ice, on the offensive side of the ice, and even if they're, you know, chucking him out there in the neutral zone. Like, he, he can get it done wherever he is. Um, when on the ice this season, the Penguins outscored their opposition 36-20 to 20 when McCann was on the ice. That's, that's, um... At 5-on-5. These are all 5-on-5 numbers. And again, just a 51% ozone starts. So, you know, it's not like he's he's being sheltered. Again, this is him creating offense and um, being good defensively as well. 32nd in the NHL in GAR, which is goals above replacement. That's a pretty big number. 32nd. Not bad. Not bad. And they just take a look at the size. 6'1", buck 85. You know, it can play down the middle. Offers a bit of size on the wing if need be. Jeremy Cann, I think, is going to be a pretty good player for the Maple Leafs. Hopefully, he's still with the team on Thursday. Because, <laughs> again, he can get picked up here. He can. It's possible. But uh, hopefully he is still going to be a member of the Maple Leafs and there's some sort of side deal. Or Seattle's already assured them, Hey, we're 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 taking Kerfoot, or a hey, we're we're taking Dermot. You know, one of those two. I think it'll probably end up being Kerfoot, because that makes sense. You replace Kerfoot with a cheaper, younger, and better Jared McCann, um, and then they take Kerfoot, and maybe they get something with it. Maybe it's Kerfoot and Dermot. I doubt it, but I'm just thinking this in my head now. Like maybe they'll get two prospects out of it. In which case, maybe then you can you know, complain that they made a side deal to keep McCann when they could have just, you know, protected him. Anyways. Um, the the downside to him, like I said, is that, uh, I, I spoke with this with Hunter, is that he doesn't have good production in, in the playoffs. Disappears in the playoffs. He's got three points through 12 playoff games, no goals. We got a lot of guys here in Toronto that have the exact same stat line. And it's not something that we're very proud of and fond of. Not something we like to see here in Leafs Nation. Now, Hunters seems to believe that it's just bad luck. And maybe that's the case. Hopefully that is the case. And that he could start scoring, you know, next year in the playoffs when he's here with Toronto. Also say this, uh, his shooting percentage this year up at 13%, which is a little bit higher than his career average, and he did have a 1.06 PDO, which is expected to regress a little bit. So although this was a career year for him, you know, 2 point, uh, uh, 2.41 points per 60, like in the realm of the Ehlers-Shifley-Couturier-Nylander realm, kind of in a... In, in, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like this is the first, his, it's a breakout season for him. And now next year we're going to see, is this what McCann is? Or are we going to see some regression? The PDO would suggest that we should see some regression based on what we've seen earlier in his career. That being said, at 25 years old, this could just be him taking that next step in his career. And I mean, he's been learning from Sidney Crosby the last three years. 
You can't tell me he didn't pick up a thing or two to make him a better player going forward. So I'm excited for this pickup. Hopefully, again, he does stick around and he is going to be a Maple Leaf long term. Um, whether that's to be the team's third line center with some power play opportunities or it's to be the Zach Hyman replacement. You know, put him on the left wing with either Matthews. You could even put him with, with John Tavares, I suppose. You know, there's your cheaper version of a Zach Hyman. Because apparently the past, you know, this past season, he did a lot better on the wing than he did down the middle. So maybe that is the the plan. And keeping Kerfoot, you know, at 3C, if they elect to go elsewhere, maybe they end up taking Dermott. And then that's, you know, instead of him being the Kerfoot replacement, he's actually the Hyman replacement. We'll see. All this stuff is 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 all speculation right now. We have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I could be talking about this prospect and talking about this player for absolutely no reason because three days from now, two days from now, actually, when the expansion draft uh, is done on Wednesday night, he could very well be a member of the Seattle Kraken. Not not hoping for it. I'm I'm uh, cross my fingers that it doesn't happen, but it very well could happen. So that uh, is a little bit more about Jared McCann, the Leafs, uh, the newest member of the Maple Leafs. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully things work out and he can be here long term. Uh, I originally was going to try and talk about some of the big names that were left unprotected um, in yesterday's list. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Uh, obviously, the biggest name being Carey Price being left unprotected. Tarasenko's another big name. Tampa left Gord Palat and Kalorn unprotected. Um, Lou Lamorello did some weird, weird things with his protection list. Giordano, the captain out in Calgary, uh, left unprotected. There, there's some good names out here in Seattle. Man, they could get themselves quite the team. I'm telling you. They could be a playoff team next year. I would almost, I, I'm pretty sure there's going to be, uh, you know, lines coming out at betonline.ag rather soon, I would imagine, about the playoff odds, the futures odds. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you're going to get a pretty good deal with with Seattle because I, I just, I, I don't know if the books are going to assume that this team is going to be good out of the hop like Vegas was. They probably assumed ah, that that was a, you know, that was an admiration there. There's no way that this second expansion team could be as good based on the players that we're seeing that are available. They certainly can be. Uh, so I'll go through some of the biggest names that were left unprotected in uh, tomorrow. And I'll also do my final Seattle mock draft. So we'll do all that in tomorrow's podcast, but that'll do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs, and I will be back with another episode tomorrow again where I will be selecting my team in my first and only Seattle mock expansion draft And then uh, Wednesday, well, we'll see how close I get and when they choose. And we'll see if Jared McCann is still around in Toronto. Uh, Stratford boy, too, so not uh, not too far from Toronto. Local kid-ish. No, I'm not going to call him a local kid. That's like 
two hours west. It's not quite local, but it's Ontario. Close to Stratford's close to London, uh, for those who, who aren't aware of that. Home of Justin Bieber as well, uh, who is a, a noted Leafs fan. And hey, they're similar age, so they may actually uh they might know each other. They 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 there's a possibility that uh Jeremy Can and Justin Bieber are already boys. And I'm sure now uh that he's in Toronto, if he sticks around, they'll probably join the posse of Austin Matthews and, and Fred Anderson and, and that whole crew that's been hanging out uh, quite a bit this offseason. But anyways, that's going to do it for the podcast here today. Make sure you check it out again tomorrow, guys. This is a daily podcast for the rest of the month of July. Then we do three times a week. So still coming at it with a bunch of content all throughout the offseason. And then we'll ramp it right back up daily. Maple Leafs coverage in October when uh, puck drop will be just mere days away. Uh, but that's to do it for me here today, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the pod. I'll be back tomorrow. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.